Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of Dual Security. I am Andrew. And I'm going to be playing the part of Ray again. All right. So we're just chatting about some work-related things. Uh, we both have full-time jobs. <laughs> People forget that sometimes. I always get that question. Like, what do you what do you do for work? Like, is this is TikTok your job? And I'm like, if yeah, no, no, I have I have a full-time job. One day it it will be these types of things will be, but I do enjoy having the balance for now. Like it, it's not something there are there are things that come up which we were just discussing that are just like this is so inefficient. I you know, there's better ways to do this or whatever. And a lot of times when you're involved, like I, it's like a pretty typical nine to five job in digital advertising. And there are times when people just fill that time because they're supposed to fill that time. And I think there's been a shift to being more efficient since everyone, at least in my industry, pretty much is remote, works remote and works from home. So there's not as much of that, like you need to fill the eight hours. And I fully take advantage of that. I go on lots of walks throughout the day. And when, when there's some downtime, find other things to do. And I have other things to do. So I'm never, you know, bored with that, but yeah, it is interesting. The society that we've sort of built with this, expectation of just it's just like people say it's the way things are and ray you mentioned that i was expressing that in videos more recently just how just a lot of it doesn't make any sense and like it doesn't have to be this way there was no rules saying that this is how things were supposed to turn out or had to turn out just how they happened to turn out but it's not necessarily how it was supposed to not that it isn't supposed to be this way or right or wrong or anything like that. Those are perceptions as we've discussed plenty of times, but yeah, it, you'd start to ask more questions. I think the deeper you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'd be like, you know, you work really hard on, on building yourself a hut, say in the woods and, and you work hard, you build it and you're like, yeah, this makes sense. And then you walk into the hut and there's a rave going on. You're like, what the hell just happened? How, how is this happening inside what should be a fairly you know, simple and quiet hut. And it's just because somewhere in the process of building that hut, we lost track of what we were doing. We got carried away. We, you know, started, you know, working on distraction or we started wanting to feel better than the other people working on the hut and it became a whole game. And so despite the fact that from the outside, it should all be very simple on the inside, we've all just got lost in the habit of being in the hut and whatever that means. Right. And so despite the fact that it is still the same life, it's always been. We've just piled so much more on top of it. And we get caught up on the image we want to be, and we completely lose track of building the hut. We can lose track of exactly how, how badly we're putting this house together or how badly this thing is organized. And that's why everything's falling apart. That's why we consistently have a wider and wider gap between the rich and the poor, because it's badly organized. It's not that the system is bad. It's that the mentality that created, sustains, and runs that system continues to be poison. We can't do anything with it because as long as there's a profit center to our society, there's always going to be the temptation to cut corners. There's always going to be the temptation to water down the, the, the product to basically make it worse and worse and worse. So you'll buy more and more and more because profit is the incentive, right? So as long as we're greedy, as long as we're gluttonous, it doesn't matter. We can't do anything with it, but we don't talk about that. We're like, no, no, no. We just got to change the economy. We just have to change the monetary policy. We just have to change the regulations for the banks. It's like, no, 
we don't. This isn't about the economy. This isn't about the monetary system. This is about us not being able to get over this, this idea that we need more and more and more. Right? So it's just, it's our system in a nutshell um, in all facets. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, look at the infrastructure problem happening in the States right now, right? That infrastructure didn't happen. That problem didn't happen over, overnight. That happened over a very long time. And it's not like the infrastructure hasn't been crumbling. It just wasn't a priority compared to all of the other things that were more sensational and entertaining. Yeah, and it's, it's almost like we've built this idea of the peak and of like the pinnacle of being, like you said, like rich and famous. And I don't think people like take enough time in their lives to actually think about what their peak or pinnacle would look like, because I've taken some time to do that. And being rich and famous is not it. Like there are so many other parts to life and existence than that. And for whatever reason, that is where our society is sort of fallen upon. And I actually um, had a guy on my podcast yesterday. His name is Eric. Uh, he's from uh, Canada. He lives in the Canadian Rockies and he creates content uh, of his family. They're a big outdoors family. Um, he homeschools them. He has a two, four and seven year old, I think. And he actually kind of reminded me of you a little bit. He, I think he's maybe in his early or mid thirties, um, but they create a lot of uh, like outdoors content. Like he'll put a little microphone on his kids and just like film them. And we talked a lot about, you know, creating and, and his whole thing is he doesn't want it to, you know, take away from his time with his family. So he's never, he's very much not like the type of person who stages content at all. It's just like, he just, makes videos with his family and shares them online. So it's awesome. But we were taught, we got into the discussion of money and he is also into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And he was talking about how he lives, he does the content and they have built up a pretty good following, but he also is snow patroller on the side and has a certain amount of income coming in. I think he said his family lives on around like 60 to 70,000 uh, Canadian dollars a year. And we we're talking about investing in Bitcoin. I, I was talking about how I'm, I'm pretty risk tolerant when it comes to those things because I'm young and I don't have many responsibilities and it's like, why not? But his perspective was kind of similar, but in the sense that he already feels like he has enough. He is fully fulfilled in everything that he does. So he's dumped a lot of money into this stuff because his thought is he believes in this and he thinks it can go somewhere and he already is fulfilled. So he doesn't need that money. But if he is correct and it were to hit, then it would be cool. And there are all these things in his community that he would want to be able to use the money for. So it's almost like when you feel fulfilled in your life without the money and the extra stuff, it allows you the freedom to end up taking risks on certain things to end up getting money, but not, it's not like that let go to receive type thing. It's like, you don't need it. So for him, he, he was very open about his money and he was talking about how he's put over the last four years, six, six figures into cryptocurrency. And in his head, that money's gone. He doesn't, he doesn't need it. He's okay without it because he's already completely fulfilled in his day-to-day -day life with his family, what he does on a day-to-day -day basis. He doesn't need that money. So it's just there and see what happens if it runs up great. But I think taking the time to have that sort of perspective 
isn't all that common in our society. But if you were to be able to take that time, all of a sudden you'd realize like maybe not everyone listening to this or everyone out there feels like they would have enough if they were to take the time to really see it. But I think a lot of people, a lot more people than maybe feel like they do would have that feeling of fulfillment if they just take took a second to take a step back and realize all of that and not be so tied into this societal dance that we've discussed a lot on the last podcast, like how there's just these pinnacles that are just completely made up. And because the majority is striving for that, everyone's just like, oh, they just hop in with it. And they're like, guess I got to do that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. It's funny that I kind of take the same mentality with, uh, if somebody's like, you know, can I borrow 10 bucks? If, if I can't spare it, my answer is no. If I can spare it, my answer is yes. But immediately upon lending that person 20 bucks or 10 bucks, I just assume it's gone, right? If I can't lend it out, I don't lend it out. And if I can lend it out, then I just assume it's not coming back. And if it does, cool. But that's the whole point, right? And so to me, it's an investment in that person. It's an investment in the world. It's like, I have enough here. You do something with it, right? And, and I, that mentality is ultimately what we're talking about here. I mean, I can't tell you how many times over the last... 15 years of my life, I have tried to come up with some way to, to help people who don't have enough, who, who are trying to get to a point where they can take that time to live their life, where they can just have enough to live and exist and be happy and the rest of the time just work on themselves, right? But it's very difficult to do that because things are so skewed in our society. You have people who have too much and you have people who don't have enough. And so how do we get to a point where those of us who have enough can distribute it to people who don't without the middleman, otherwise known as the government or charity or business, taking a chunk out to satisfy themselves? How can we just immediately distribute it to the people who need it? And, and this is where cryptocurrency immediately tickles my fancy and gets me wondering, like, how, how can we use something like blockchain technology to keep track of everybody's needs? How can we use blockchain technology to distribute wealth across everybody so everybody has enough? And then the rest of the time we can you know, talk about our insights and share information and grow as people and do all of that. And I mean, if we wanted to, it's not like it'd be difficult to do. I mean, so you and I started um, a community discord for dualistic unity for the audience to, to have a chance to meet and chat, talk to one another without us being necessarily in the middle. Well, as that grows and those people start to talk more and more and more, we're ultimately going to end, end up making a bit of a profit off of that. We're going to be able to put, to make some money off the advertisements. Well, the money off the advertisements can immediately go into community projects that help the people who help generate that income, that help people who are part of that community, right? Why can't we do the same with everything else? I mean, this is ultimately what I envisioned with our Patreon campaign or uh, podcast sponsorships or YouTube monetization. You and I only need so much. And then after that, we can put it all back out into the universe, which as we've discussed, is still you and I. It's still reinvesting in our own life. It's just in the long term. It's in the bigger ripple, right? And, and so there's a mentality there. And, and what's nice about that mentality is that as soon as we have enough, what happens? Our schedule decreases. We can literally take more time to ourselves and give to other people as a result of doing so. And so I think that if we were to work at that collectively, if each person were to have the time, like you said, to just figure out what's enough for them, what's their peak, right? And then to allow the community that's with them to help them get there, 
a rising tide lifts all boats, right? And then they can go back into helping others, somebody else achieve their peak. But it, it has to be, you know, a peak based on self-honesty and self-awareness. It can't just be society says I should be this, right? And that, that's often the case. I mean, how often have you seen people buying things, whether it's clothing or jewelry or anything else, simply, simply to match the image of the celebrity that's selling it? Yeah, all the time. I've, I've made videos specifically about that. I made one last winter about how it's like an interesting paradox when people buy things to impress other people. And in reality, you know, like they get a really nice car or, you know, Gucci, anything. And it's all like, that stuff's not higher quality than anything else you can buy ever. It's just got a name on it and they do it to impress other people and look a certain way. But the type of people who they're impressing are probably also trying to impress other people. So it's like, they just feel this sort of distaste for you having that stuff that they don't have. And then the other people who aren't impressed by it and are, I don't know, have more of a impression based on, you know, like the content of your character or something, don't give a shit. And they might see you and be like, why are you doing that, man? Like, what's what's going on? Like, is everything all right inside? Like, what are you trying to make up for inside through these material items? So it's, it's an interesting paradox where I think people think it's achieving this certain thing. And in reality, I don't know if it really is. I can't. It, 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 an external cannot give you value. It just doesn't, right? What you do with the external... Sure, it could be a reflection of your value, right? That, that's, that's about it, though. I mean, like, it doesn't matter if you have a fancy car or a functional car, if you're just using the car to get something done, right? That's the whole point. Like, somebody's going to look at you for spending half a million dollars on a car just to drive to the grocery store and go, you know, you could have fed how many people <laughs> with the extra money it costs you to get that car. I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'll get there just as fast. Or you might pass me and get there 10 minutes or 10 seconds faster. Woo. You know, like, it's just really not that big a deal, but it just comes down to the fact that our, our priorities are so skewed. We, we just don't understand that value is not something that we can measure. Like our value is expressed in what we do. It's expressed in our potential. Up until then, it's not something that we can measure or evaluate or anything else. And we really do get this idea that if we just have an idea of our value, that's the same as, as having an indication of what our value is. And it's not. Until we get over that, we're always going to look for things to validate us. We're always going to look for those, those externals to try and pad the hole that we're creating for ourselves. Yeah. And even, I was just thinking about this, even if you stayed on the sort of selfish approach with how you spend your money. Like I find it very fascinating. There's so many people out there doing things day to day that they don't enjoy. And yet the way that they could have some semblance of freedom and maybe not have to do that thing that they hate so much is through save, like having money set aside. Like people almost don't, I feel like people don't even think about that side of it where they could not spend money on dumb shit and actually begin to cultivate and live a life that they enjoy. Like even in my case, I have been in like the position I'm in, I'm a senior account manager and my salary is plenty high enough to sustain my lifestyle and have money left over to save and, and whatnot. But 
so I've, I've talked to my boss and been like, I'm not pushing for promotion just a heads up because I would have to like in, you know, more or less words than that. I said it in a way that was not making it seem like I, I want to do less work straight up, but like, I have other things in my life that I enjoy. And if I were to be pushing for promotion and to get promoted, which involves a 15% pay increase, I would have to sacrifice these other things that I enjoy doing. I would probably have to go from, you know, spending X hours a day to maybe, you know, at least 30% more hours a day in order to take on another project to prove that I'm ready for promotion or whatever. But I know that what I have right now is more than enough. I, I have been able to take a step back and be like, I don't need that extra 15,000 or whatever percent a year to, you know, sacrifice the amount of time because there's part, another part of big part of my life that I really enjoy doing. So if people were to realize that if they were even just on the selfish side of it, like to save more and really figure out what actually adds value to their life and not spending money to try and cultivate this perception that they want people to have about them through what they own and all these material items, then they may be able to begin living a life they actually enjoy more and maybe take, you know, some extra time off in between jobs or something and go. And if maybe they've always wanted to travel, but they haven't been able to, it's like that can allow you the freedom to do that and not live such a miserable existence that you're constantly complaining about. And then at the same time, you're spending money on dumb shit to impress people you know, you don't even like, so it, it just, a lot of it just doesn't make much sense. I feel like. Right. And well, and we get to a point, or at least as we grow up, we start to realize it doesn't make sense. And unfortunately that's where you know, the banks and the businesses are figured out, well, we need to get to them before that point. So when they're 18, 19, let's offer them a student loan. Let's give them a credit card. Let's give them, you know, easy access to money they haven't earned watch them piss that away and then they have to scramble more and more throughout their life to try and keep up to it on top of the bad habit of overspending so now we have a system that's like here's more and more and more and more credit don't worry we got your back and we just keep feeding the monster more and more and more because we lack in ourselves and there are parasites that are willing to feed off of that right and, and that's you know where uh, the argument tends to go towards the system trying to keep us down or those in power trying to work against us. And I, I just want to reiterate again that this is largely just because of the environment that we've created, that we give those people the chance to flourish because the environment we're in reinforces their behavior, right? Like we, we reward people for being greedy because our society gives them the ability to continuously hoard more. If we were to remove that ability, we would find that that behavior to be less um, less prevalent. But we encourage that behavior from a very young age. We encourage it in everything. Get more and more for yourself. You know, the more you have, the more valuable you are. And so, when you have a system that traps us in that, and then makes you invest in that to the point where, if you were to wake up and go, yeah, I don't want to value all this anymore. It's like, well, you still have that credit card payment. You still have those mortgages. You still have that lease. You still have that contract you signed. And, and we know that you did all that in a state of confusion, but that's not our problem. And so that's it is you have to start working against that. You have to start going, okay, I'm just going to cut up these credit cards, right? I'm not going to use that. I'm going to go the hard way for a little while so I can clear the slate, which is technically what the economy should have done back in 2008, right? Like all of those companies that were too big to fail, should have failed and we should have picked up the pieces and started from there 
but we always try to avoid the pain. And so we sustain the pain. Yeah. I feel like with the mentality of kind of the hoarding and stuff, it, it comes down to the mentality of someone still thinks, which I think is vast, 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 vast majority people that they are just this human then, and they're not anyone else. It's like great to have, you know, empathy for others in a way of like, you know, kind of thinking about putting yourself in their shoes, even if you can't necessarily understand that you would be them if everything, you know, was traded essentially. So if you still think that you're just this human and you're very much separate from everyone and not this deeper I that we all are in the awareness of the universe, then it's, it's a lot, I feel like it's a lot tougher to get to that place. So it's almost like that has to precede this. And since realizing this, even, you know, as recently as I have, it's, it's become a lot clearer to me and it just makes sense that, cause like I walked through the street now in New York, I see everyone way differently than I did four months ago, like significant, like I see that is, that is me, that is me passing me on the street. Like they just have forgotten and, and whatever, but for whatever reason, they, they don't know that, but that is me. So it, it becomes clear. And there's still obviously, you know, I don't, I'm not going to give up everything and like walk around the streets naked and homeless, but it's like, it's, it's much clearer in that sense. So it's not like giving things away or, you know, giving a homeless person some money. It's like, I am helping myself. It is still being sort of selfish almost in the sense, because I'm everything. So I am being selfish, but that self is the entire universe, omniverse, everything. So yeah, it's selfish, but it's not limited to this perception of separateness. It's selfish in that the opposite of separateness that I'm everything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's because it's the abandonment of self, right? It's like, Oh, I have no borders anymore. I should take care of all of me. <laughs> right. And that's, that's pretty much it. Um, but it, you're right. It's the insight that ultimately is going to, to reinforce the behavior. Like the environment, changing the environment isn't enough as we can see from all of the legislation and, and, and the rules that they're trying to make around, you know, say uh, carbon emissions, our, our example, our perfect example, you know, creating a carbon tax isn't going to fix the problem. I mean, uh, look at Tesla, right? Tesla creates uh, electric cars and they don't make any profit whatsoever on their electric cars. What they do is they end up getting carbon credits because they're creating electric cars. And then they sell those carbon credits to the car companies that are creating oil-based cars. So the car companies that are polluting the environment by the credits from Tesla so they can continue to pollute the environment and Tesla comes out looking like they're saving the, the world, right? So is that is that for real? Holy fuck. I did not know that. Oh my God. So again, it, it comes down to the superficial isn't isn't ever going to solve the problem. We have to look deeper. We have to look at ourselves. We have to look at the system that we're continuing to, to perpetuate, which is not transparent. Obviously, like if we if all of a sudden you find out something like that, well, no doubt you're starting to wonder what else you're not know you don't know about, and it's because the system is designed to make sure you don't know, right? It's made sure so they can do those backroom deals and they can do 
you know, the additions to the infrastructure bill, for example, like uh, Biden's infrastructure bill, where it's like, oh, what you were focusing on America's infrastructure. By the way, if you use cryptocurrency and you want to trade over $10,000, we want all your personal info. It's like, that has nothing to do with infrastructure. Why is that in there? Right? And, and that's the point, though, is that the system isn't transparent. The system is made to cut corners. The, the system is designed for the people who are in power to do whatever they want. And, and you would have to be on the ball all the time looking through each and every bit of legislation that was passing to even have an idea of what was happening. And that wouldn't even be enough because of how much is happening, right? And any system that's that complex and not been that convoluted shouldn't be. And the only reason it is, is because it's habitual and the people in power want it to continue to be habitual. That's it. It's something that's going to change. But so here's the thing. Right. We, we keep talking about this and, and we're doing this podcast, we're encouraging this conversation, we're trying to get people involved. And that is a part of this change. It's the biggest part of this change, in my opinion. Somebody was voicing this to me recently um, that it's very difficult to go out to the world and talk to people about this stuff, because most of the time people are focused on on, you know, what car they drive or what how much money they make or where they live or, or how it identifies their value. And so. How do you have conversations with any meaning with people who are in that mentality? And I was trying to respond that, well, you just do your best. I mean, if you don't value those things, that's great. Don't avoid those people. Just try to be as patient as you can because you're embodying an, another state of mind. You are giving them the opportunity to see something or feel something that they're not used to feeling. And, and just in doing that, you're, you're creating a small ripple. But because the dominant narrative is so egotistical. Here we are having this conversation and, and we're encountering a lot of awkwardness, we're encountering a lot of resistance because we're on the one side that, that's kind of turning the tide. We're on the, on the other side of the tide turning. So yeah, it's gonna be difficult for us right now. It's going to be difficult for us to continue to have this conversation in the face of all of the opposition because that opposition is just habitual and it's been ongoing for such a long time. But it started somewhere. Right? We started in tribal society. We started in a more unitary mentality. It took the ego time to twist us. It took the ego time to travel from person to person to person to reinforce itself structurally into the, into the bedrock of how we run our society. It took time. It took thousands of years for us to get this lost. It's going to take some time for us to wake up. It's going to take some more time for the ripples to start to spread. But they are spreading. Over the last 20 years, I've just been watching this conversation go from being ridiculed to being acceptable to being wanted. More and more people want to have this conversation now. That's so encouraging to me. I mean, out of 10 people I meet, it used to be 10 people who would run. Maybe a half person out of every thousand right, would say, yeah, let's talk about that. Now it's two, three out of 10 people have some interest, not, not in realizing we're all God, because that, that's going pretty deep, admittedly, but in realizing they're not what they think and realizing that their suffering is largely exacerbated by the illusion that they're caught up in. People want to talk about that now. And that leads to the realization that if you're not what you think, you're everything, as we said, right? That selfishness can go all the way back to unity, but it's just, it's just in spreading the awareness, like, you know, this is just a ride. This is just an illusion. It's not what it appears to be, right? And then that's it. And that's what we're doing. And the environment will change as a result. 
Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I think it's so important when you mentioned perceptions and just being, and you know, this is one of the core things that we talk about, but just being mindful of your perceptions. I made a video yesterday when I was walking, I was feeling, I've been making more just like talk, just like kind of ranting for a minute or two and less structured, which I've been enjoying. I've been enjoying mixing in different types of videos and some longer where it's like less structured and I have pauses and whatever. Whereas in the past, it's historically just been strictly jump cuts and just like very much, you know, edited. So it's like, you know, quick, there's no hesitations or whatever. So I've been mixing in both. And I think I, I saw a video recently that was talking about just like creator strategies and whatnot. And it's not, I don't think a formula that is exact that everyone needs to follow, but it mentioned how as a creator building sort of a community posting, you know, maybe one or two out of every 10 that you, you think are like, you know, quicker, more like viral focus type videos. And then the other eight are more like longer form, just like more less in produced in a way that, you know, it probably won't go viral because it doesn't have all those TikTok, you know, check boxes or whatever. So I've just been incorporating more of those, just like when I'm walking, something will hit me. So Anyway, yesterday I was kind of cold on my walk and I was like, am I feeling colder because I'm telling myself that I'm cold? Like, this is just a feeling. I'm not even cold. Cold is just a word we use to describe a certain type of feeling. I'm just feeling a certain way, but is, am I exacerbating that feeling by thinking that? And I think there's so many situations, you know, when someone feels like they're in you know, a difficult situation or a shitty situation or a tough situation. And that's not to say that those don't occur. They certainly do. And, and you can label it however you want to label it. It doesn't technically really matter how you label it. But at the end of the day, your perception of it can potentially be exacerbating that situation and making it worse than it actually is because you keep telling yourself how bad it is. And it goes back to your brain trying to latch onto and confirm, like using that sort of confirmation bias to uh, confirm all of your beliefs about the way that things are. So it's, that's a huge part of our society. And you have a certain belief about the way things are, your brain's just going to keep trying to confirm it. It's going to start picking things out. That's why, you know, you see or start looking for a red car online that you want to buy. All of a sudden, all the cars you see are red and you're like, did all these red cars start driving into my life? No, they were always there, but you were just, you know, you've been thinking about it. So your brain's confirming that they're out there because you want to purchase it or whatever. And it goes for so many things, but just being mindful and it's going to happen. It's always going to happen, but just being able to take that split second to catch yourself. And it's, it's pretty much universally applicable. And I think it happens throughout probably everyone's day, like hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of times a day that we have perceptions about things that are exacerbating the way that they actually are. Like things just are, and we layer on thoughts, like there is no good or bad, but thinking makes it so. It's sort of the same type of realm in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's really important to keep that in mind because right now, um, a lot of the uh, private coaching sessions that, that people have been arranging with me have been revolving around what's, what's going on in the world economically in terms of climate change, carbon tax credits, uh, coronavirus, all of this. And, and people are panicking admittedly, because it feels like everything's kind of falling apart. And, and those with, uh, let's say, less than honest intentions in power are, are trying to solidify 
their grip on what's happening and they're trying to solidify their control of our lives in every aspect, whether it's monetary or otherwise, like I was saying about uh, Biden's infrastructure bill is a perfect example. And, and so people are starting to panic. They're starting to, to view the world as being um, increasingly encroaching on their lives. And it's because we hear about this stuff every day, because we, we hear about more and more how afraid people are and, and, and how much this, the powers that be are doing to try and solidify their own power. And so the common perception is, oh, we're screwed. They're gonna take over our lives. And it's important to remember, just because you perceive them making a power grab doesn't mean it's because they feel like they're in power. If I was in power, I would want you to view me as being all powerful. I would want you to view me as being in total control of you, of you being a victim because there's no way I can have that much power over the world. The world's too big, there's too many influences, there's too many players, right? So I would want you to view me that way, straight up. But the other point is that if I was in power and I was suddenly making big moves to establish more power, that's not me making power moves, that's me desperately scrambling because the system that I created over decades is falling apart, right? Like the rise of cryptocurrency, again, is a perfect example. The powers that be aren't happy about that. They can't control it. They're trying, but then more cryptocurrencies pop up. I mean, look at uh, this whole thing with identifying uh, transactions over $10,000 on Bitcoin. Well, that's great for Bitcoin. What about Ravencoin, which trashes the address as soon as you send a, tra a transaction? It's designed to be anonymous. What's the system going to do about that, right? So it, it can't compensate for everything, but it tries. And, and so we're just watching that but it's important to remember that it's not what it, it appears to be it's not that the system is getting more control it's that they're losing control and they're trying desperately to solidify that control because they don't know what the future holds you know i i actually have a, a kind of a fun theory if we're talking about um ripples and vibrations and and, and common mentality have you noticed that all these billionaires seem to really want to get off the planet lately they have, yeah. <laughs> I think it's because we're growing. Their their place isn't here. They're feeling more and more out of place. There, there's nowhere else to go, right? That mentality is not. It's not going to survive into the future. It just won't. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I can't remember if before the first episode we decided that COVID was a topic we we're going to stay off of. Okay, should we stay off of it? You think? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Um, and the only reason, and, and I want to say, okay, we'll include this in the podcast. The reason that we don't get into the coronavirus conversation is quite simply because there's too much rhetoric on each side. It's just that both sides of the argument are exaggerating for the point of making their, their point. And, and so like the other day I was saying that comparing a mask mandate to Nazi Germany is a lot like comparing coronavirus to smallpox. They're both exaggerations, right? Coronavirus is not smallpox. It doesn't kill 30% of the population, right? And a mask mandate isn't that big of a deal at the end of the day. You're just being asked to be more considerate around people who may be panicking or afraid that they're going to catch something. That's really not that big a deal. I mean, we, we do things all the time for the sake of consideration. We create bike lanes on the road. Like, it's really not that big a deal. I mean, you can complain, oh, you're crowding my car, but I mean, it's safer for the bikers. And so we can see that. And so we just do it. But until we can get to a point where we're talking about this, honestly, and more importantly, until we can get to a point where the argument is absent of 
uh, monetary incentive, there's really no argument we can have that's going to go anywhere because there's too much vested interest in either side being right. There's too much vested interest in the other side being wrong. And until then, until we can actually just come to the point where we're all on an equal playing field and deciding what's best for us as a species, what's best for me as an individual, and what are the actual facts? What is, what is the decision that I'm making here? It's very difficult to have this conversation. And, and, and I mean that because there's no transparency. As with everything in the system, there's just no transparency. I'm not saying get vaccinated and I'm not saying don't get vaccinated. What I'm saying is that it's a personal choice, but that it's important to remember that we can't compare apples and oranges. You can't compare the current vaccine to previous vaccines, and you can't compare the current pandemic to previous pandemics because everything is different. The society that we're in is different. The, the virus itself is different. Our means of, of, of living day to day has changed. We can work remotely now. That changes the playing field. Like the argument that everybody should be getting back to work now that we've got this under control is again, the result of an inherent bias in the system to get us go out and driving the economy again. So until we can come to terms with all of these influences, it's very difficult to have this conversation. Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, I think something else that has always been a part of my life and questioning and things is just when it comes to, you know, political conversations, just the idea that I feel like with our conversations, it's, it's like a separate sort of thing. And I think we're able to see because I feel like everyone feels a need to identify with a certain side or feels a need to identify someone else in a certain side. And because of this polarization, with I th which I think, I mean, I see in the US has gotten very polarizing, especially in the last 10 years or so, it's gotten kind of out of control to a degree. And I think with our conversations, like, we're just able to see that both sides had like the understanding through which they come to ideas is flawed. Like the root of it is flawed. So that means that no matter what side uh, comes out of that sort of root is going to be flawed. So both sides, sure. Both sides have some under like things that are maybe you know, best or whatever, but both sides also have things that they're vastly incorrect about, like both sides, like it's, it's all, there's things on both sides. And, and I, I see this very often that people almost won't even have an opinion on something until they know what their side's opinion is on it. And it, I find it fascinating that we almost have have waited and I, I notice this all the time now with with crossing the street stoplights in New York like the like I never wait for the walk sign like I look both ways no cars I walk there's a crowd of people on the corner like just kind of standing there and I'm like this is becoming almost like you're not in control like you are allowing everything else like everything where it's always like a give and take but it's more and more you know that lack of need for awareness and just allowing everything else to do everything for you. And it's like, it's, we're getting to that with cars, like autonomous vehicles, just being able to sit there. And so I find it anyway, going back to that with like the polarization of 
you know, the political spectrum. I don't, I don't think we need to get too deep into this realm, but I just find it fascinating that a lot of times I'll see people not have an opinion or have their own personal opinion. And then they hear what their side has. And all of a sudden they completely change it. And they're like very aggressive on the other side. And they, they will deny ever having the other opinion because their side doesn't agree with that. I just find that to be very fascinating and just the group think aspects of it and, and the lack of, I don't know, a degree personal responsibility and, and whatnot. And I'm seeing it more and more. It's just like, especially being in a place like New York, there's just so much going on all the time that I'm noticing more and more of. It's pretty, pretty interesting to see. Yeah, well, it's the rhetoric, right? Like the, the rhetoric is, is what's dangerous on, on both sides. And, and see, my, my perception on the whole thing is this, and I avoid the conversation because in all honesty, it's not a conversation you can have rationally most of the time, right? But if you wanted to be vaccinated because you have um, concerns about your health, uh, perhaps that you, you don't watch your health most of the time, or, or perhaps you're in an age range where you're at, at a greater risk and you think that it's going to um, buoy your immune system and allow you the, the opportunity to protect yourself better, that's fine. That's a personal decision. And I think that that's, that's a decision that you should make depending on the considerations within your life. But then we look back at, say, the actual you know, say mortality rate or the actual hospitalization rate. And we realize that it's only high for certain age ranges. It's only high for certain people with certain medical conditions or multiple medical conditions. And so those people should consider the vaccine with an entirely different lens than say somebody who is 20 to 30 years old with no prior medical conditions. That person may not feel that the vaccine is in fact their best bet against beating the virus that they may they may in fact think that their immune system because of their age because of their medical history because of you know the way that they live the way that they eat or whatever it is they just feel that that's the better bet, the, the better bet for going against this coronavirus that person should be able to make that decision based on those considerations as well but what we're doing as we've done with everything is just say here's a solution it applies to everybody and if everybody's doing it then we're good to go and we're taking out everybody's self uh, uh, personal responsibility in making their own choice. We're taking out informed consent, right? Which is the entire point is that we've created something for you that's a tool that's going to help protect you. Do you want to use it? It's not you must use it because that argument doesn't even make sense. It would make sense if the, if the vaccine stopped transmission. It would make sense if the vaccine stopped transmission. It would make total sense that, you know, you are putting people at risk if you're not vaccinated because you're carrying around a virus that you could otherwise get rid of. But the, the vaccine doesn't stop transmission and it doesn't kill the virus. It's not like the smallpox vaccine, right? It's not the same thing at all. So vaccinated people are still carrying the virus. They've admitted this. So if vaccinated people are still carrying the virus, why are unvaccinated people the danger, because an unvaccinated person, if they get sick, they're going to show symptoms for the most part. So we're going to be able to identify that they're sick, that they have coronavirus, but a vaccinated person doesn't show symptoms. So now you've got people who are vaccinated, have breakthrough cases, and they're spreading it around the world and nobody knows, nobody could tell, right? So all we've really done is, is made, made it so that way certain people are allowed to carry the virus. That's what we've done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the arguments I hear with it are always that, you know, you're not being considerate of everyone else. But as you just mentioned, 
it's like it's it's always just nitpicking to fit your agenda whatever side that you're on to fit your narrative and just willfully leaving off very very important details on the side of whatever side you're trying to take like the details on the other side that it's just like there there's no give and take anymore or no you know i don't know active communion in in any of this it's just you know my way or the highway on both sides and it's i think yeah with especially just with the narratives that i see on i mean i don't have a tv so i don't really watch anything which i've been told is my you know my first world white privilege not having a tv and not you know having to watch the news but you know i i let those slide um but yeah it's fascinating just the narratives that you see and how they evolve even from where they begin with to you know deepen what they want to happen in a certain way absolutely well and and they know human nature right like we, we've been marketing and we've been building the uh, the pr side of things for like 100 years we, we know very much how humans inter interact with one another and admittedly when uh covid first came out when there was word of it spreading nobody knew anything about it and so there was justifiably a response of fear and panic because nobody knew anything about it nobody knew what it was we were getting word that it could transmit over over uh, tabletops and that it would you know jump from people and it was just it, it was all a bunch of uncertainty and so everybody panicked and everybody kind of locked down and that's fine that makes sense that is an appropriate response in my opinion <laughs> to something that's potentially fatal but then it was okay well it's actually okay it's not that and it's not that and it's not that but just stay afraid, just stay panicking. And, and it didn't matter how much new information was coming out of it. It was still, you know, nope, this could kill you. This could kill you. I heard, dear God, it was John Stewart who compared coronavirus to Hitler. And it's like, really? Like, don't you think that's a bit extreme? And, and what's funny is that he was doing it in derision to make fun of the people who are anti-vax comparing the vaccine mandate to Hitler. And it's like, okay, but Neither coronavirus nor the mandate are Hitler. Let's, let's make this perfectly clear. There's a very big difference between those things and killing millions of people. And that's what I mean about the argument going nowhere, right? Is that as soon as you're in that kind of rhetoric, you're not talking rationally anymore. You're just dealing with one side of fear versus the other side of fear. And that, that's all it is, right? So it, it, it comes down to the fact that we have to just come to terms with the fact that it's still a personal choice to live or die. That is the point. At the end of the day, my life is mine. If I want to put it at risk, whether it's skateboarding, bungee jumping, or getting a vaccine or not getting a vaccine, that's up to me. It always has been up to me. But the argument that we're having collectively right now, which is very, very dangerous, is that the collective informs the individual rather than the individuals create the collective. It goes against everything that the United States was meant to symbolize and, and, and start was that we're a nation of free people creating a country as opposed to a country telling us how to live, right? It's the exact opposite. We're going back towards you know, fascism and dictatorship. We're going back towards irresponsibility, which is the problem that we've been having more and more over the last several decades. And so, like we've been saying, this conversation is a big part of how 
we are going to change as a culture going forward because this conversation is all about living in the gray area. We don't want people to, to decide one way or another, which is why we've avoided this conversation about coronavirus for 12 episodes is because we don't choose a side. We're not even choosing a side here. We're not telling you one way or another what you should do. We are saying that it's your right to choose one way or another and that only your right to choose is, is the point because you can't tell other people what to do and expect them to do it. You just can't. And if you're going to do that, then you can't, uh, you can't complain when there's conflict and people calling you a fascist or a dictator. That's just how it goes. And likewise, for people who are anti-vaccine, it's okay to make the choice that you don't want to have a vaccine. You don't have to go to the extremes of saying that, you know, it's going to kill you. If you get it, you're an idiot. If you get it, you know, you're, you're, you're subjecting to the system. You're a sheep. You can be a rational person and still believe in medical technology. There's not a problem with that. You can question medical technology or you can believe in it. It's the same argument we've been having for years. It's like OxyContin, right? At one point, OxyContin was introduced by the pharmaceutical companies as, you know, it's, it's going to save people. Look, it's, it's a wonder drug. And then all of a sudden, oh, we have teenagers that are committing suicide and are getting hooked on this right away. Right. And it's just it's like anything else. You know, it's, it's it's a pharmaceutical drug. There's a profit behind it. You have to weigh the, the pros and the cons. You have to weigh the risks for yourself and decide if it's more harm than help or, or vice versa. And in doing that, you decide the path of your life. But that's all this argument should be about. That, that's all it should be. Like if there's if there is medical technology that's available and you're afraid and you believe the technology works, use it. You shouldn't be ridiculed for that. On the other hand, if you don't want to use it, you shouldn't be ridiculed for that either. Yeah, I find it very fascinating just when it comes to judgment. And I see it a lot, you know, tying it into spiritual community, you know, the spiritual ego and whatnot. And people like acting a certain way and judging people because they aren't, you know, as awake as them or as woke as them or whatever. And I just find that so funny. And I, you know, at the same time, I find it to be an interesting uh, paradox because I like that you can take it as far as you want. So like, say there's someone acting a certain way, who's, who's just like, you know, someone labels them as a sheep. And then there's like a spiritual person who comes along and, you know, says how they are just so, you know, asleep, asleep at the wheel. They don't see what's going on, whatever. But then if someone else comes along and is like, I also see that, but I don't judge them. And then they start judging the spiritual person for having an ego. And then there's like another person who's like judging that person. And it's like this vicious cycle that could go on forever until you realize that they're all you <laughs> and then there's there is no judgment to be cast but i find it very fascinating and like until you see fully that you are them and you are like you're them and if if even though it feels like maybe you're not if if everything was traded you would be doing the same thing you would be making the same judgments you would be acting the same way as the initial person all of these things and but I, I, I find it very fascinating on both sides of things, the judgment or even, you know, the people who are personal choice and, you know, anti-vaccine or whatever, then judging people for wearing a mask. And it's like, that's not affecting you at all. Why do you give a shit if they're wearing a mask inside? What happened like, to choice? 
Exactly. I find that to be the hypocrisy across the board when it comes to, and I made, uh, I responded in a Q&A on Instagram about that once, the idea of people who are, you know, pro-choice or not in certain ways, like both sides have people, you know, certain topics they are pro-choice on, but across the board, you know, you may be pro-choice on your thing that your side agrees on, you know, when it comes to having to take the vaccine, you're pro-choice, but then when it comes to something the other side is pro-choice on, like something like abortion or drugs, then all of a sudden you're not pro-choice. And then on the other side, you're pro-choice with abortion and drugs. On the other side, you're not pro-choice when it comes to the vaccine. And it's like, is anyone taking a step back here and seeing how fucking hypocritical all of this is? Like, you can't have one without the, you know, like, it's just, it blows my mind. And I think I, uh, I responded to a Q and a, cause a lot of people ask me like my thoughts on vaccine and COVID. And a lot of times I stay out of it, but sometimes I'm like, eh, fuck it, I'll get into it. And I started that one with like, I don't mean to ruffle everyone's feathers here, but everyone's a little bit hypocritical when it comes to a lot of these topics. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just, I'm focused on myself and how I feel about things. And so that's, that's really all I see. And until that stops being true, I can't talk to you about anything, right? I'm just going to continue to self-validate it. There's nothing I can do about that. But yeah, it, it's interesting. And, and admittedly, like to our listeners who are probably wondering why we haven't discussed COVID up until now, um, quite honestly, it's because of the system that we live in. It's because of the world that we live in. And, and, and it's such it's such a dangerous conversation to have, which is really the point, right? It's really the problem at the end of the day is that it is a minefield to get into this conversation. There is a consideration in having this conversation in how quickly people become vilified for even just questioning what is happening. Like look at what recently happened with Trevor Noah. Uh, Trevor Noah was doing a report on the Omicron strain. And he mentioned that uh, medical professionals are finding Omicron is less uh, harmful to us. It's, it's an easier strain for the immune system to handle, though it is easier to transmit. And the CEO of, I think it was Pfizer, came out and they're like, you know, well, no, no, don't worry. The vaccine's going to, you really need the vaccine. The vaccine's definitely going to help you. You got to keep taking the vaccine. And Trevor Noah's response was, maybe the person who's getting, you know, $100 million paycheck out of this isn't the person that we should be listening to in terms of, you know, what's best for our body. And that's all he said was that this person has a bias. Well, he just got called out by everybody. Like they just went for his head. And, and it was just because he was questioning the dominant narrative that was being invested in by people who were afraid and people who were afraid always look for somebody to point the finger at, right? That's, that's a common trait. When we're afraid, we want to blame somebody for our fear. Right? When we're afraid, we want to point the finger. And, and then that's, that's what ended up happening. It was just the act of questioning is enough to have you branded a, 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 as uh, a disturber of the peace. And that's largely why we don't talk about this on here. That's why we haven't been getting into this conversation because while we're building this, while we're doing our thing, I still need a job. Yeah, yeah, I feel it. And yeah, at the end of the day, like as I'm, important it is to discuss all these things there are certain things that people's perceptions just come into and you know that's why i'm not maybe posting a video about religion every single day i dabble in it here and there and it's fun to do it sometimes but if i did it every day it would just 
be kind of a headache. And it's like, you know, there is a give and take and an upside and a downside that you're able to see with everything. And as important as it is, I think, for people to question everything, I, I think there's a level that I feel comfortable with. And that level grows and grows every day, pretty much. But you know, it's still like, yeah, I could, I could post about it every day, but I don't, you know, we could talk about these things every podcast episode, but we don't, it's not necessary. And there are just so much, so much identity involved in these conversations. And the more identity that gets involved in things, the, I don't know, a little bit more careful you have to be quite frankly. And the amount of time you have to spend just wondering if it's, if it's, worth your effort and energy and and is we may you know we've gotten through a lot of stuff without discussing this in 11 episodes so i think we're doing just fine but i even i had a uh, a guy last week on my podcast who does food content and we were talking about you know hate comments and whatever and i'm like how do you get any hate comment you post food that's that's like slightly healthier than the original thing to help people promote a healthier lifestyle and potentially make it easier for them to lose weight if they if they so want to or just eat really good food that's a little bit healthier for them and he's like yeah well when it comes to food people are closely and we got to the point of discussing identity and how closely identified they are with their food and especially when it comes to cultural foods is where he gets the most like hate comments because he'll make it in a way that is not the typical way that people make it so that it's you know a little bit healthier he swaps out a couple things here and there still tastes really good but you know even he gets comments on there like this is so wrong like who do you think you are and it's like he's making food recipes out here like you gotta be shitting me like this is insane but yeah, it comes back to identity and when people are very much identified with side. And I think that comes into politics a lot and religion and food here and there. But the, the closer people identify with something and, and the more fear that they have, like providing that identity or, or kind of underlying fear they have that goes along with that identity, that if they were to question it, a lot of overwhelming fear would come into their life the more angry they get when you question it because i was actually something else i was i was uh my cousin follows me on tiktok i actually sent her our podcast because um i think she'd really like it but she it's not religious has kind of gotten out of that and and she i noticed she commented on one of my religion videos and i was texting her about identity and how everyone has a little bit of doubt when it comes to certain beliefs and they just like everyone has that little bit of doubt. And if you question that doubt, they get very angry about it because they don't want to question it. So when it gets questioned for them, they don't want to go down that route and it leads to them coming at you and your character because you are doing what they are afraid of doing. Because again, that high level of fear comes in as soon as it's questioned and as soon as you know their doubt gets you know blown up a little bit all of a sudden they become very afraid because they are relying on that to you know settle their fears yeah and that's the real pandemic at the end of the day like if we're going to talk about the real plague that humanity is going through it's 
it's this this investment in our certainty that's just gotten out of hand and then that's all it is and i think that that is the real problem pandemic economy climate change all of that aside how we deal with all of those problems are are distorted by our overinvestment in identity and certainty right until we can address that until that tide starts to change in our society we're always going to end up in these childish arguments with people who aren't even able to see what we're arguing about because their own their own value is is wrapped up in it right they'll have uh, they won't have ears to hear right it's like in isaiah they say you, you'll have eyes but you will not perceive you'll have ears but you will not hear it's exactly the point right is that it's like we're, we're speaking different languages and it's because our focuses are different if i'm focused on my illusion everything that comes through is twisted by that illusion doesn't matter what it is right and until i can see past the illusion i can't hear you i can just hear my interpretation of you and that's what we need to work on which is why again this podcast is is so good in terms of not choosing a side one way or another we're not advocating against society or or the system we're not advocating for the system we're talking about being reasonable in the establishment and the maintenance of that system we're talking about being realistic and how big that system can be and how much influence it should have over our life like all we're ever talking about in this is being reasonable living in the gray area taking responsibility and maintaining a state of awareness so we're not getting overly caught up and spreading this plague of ego as it were without meaning to and as soon as we can come to that terms well or to that that point well then all of a sudden the ripples that we're making change they change entirely. And all of a sudden, those people who at one point couldn't hear us realize that the sound has changed that's coming through their illusion. Like they can see there's something that's not working the same way. That's the one thing I've definitely realized in my life is that as I'm less involved with my ego and I talk to people who are still looking at me through theirs, they don't respond the same way to me because I'm not responding the same way to them. And so all of a sudden, it's like what I'm doing is so out of alignment with the illusion that they're invested in that they have to question the illusion. They're like, why isn't this fitting? Why doesn't this person care that I'm judging them? Like, why doesn't this person care that I keep trying to, you know, put them down and validate myself? Why don't they, why are they still smiling? And stuff like that. And it, it's just all of a sudden it has a ripple because it makes them uncomfortable enough to question their perception. That would never happen if you were to go question your perception. Why don't you see it? They won't listen to you. They can't, right? Because you're, you're making it about you instead of allowing them to make it about them. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And I think when it comes to, you know, the communication of these ideas and perceptions, I think I really enjoy that we're, you know, expressing all of these things because something else I want to brought up was um, I listened to at least like the audiobook version of the Gospel of Thomas. And it was like, I, I resonated with a lot of it, but like a lot of them, or still, I was like, I could maybe see where he's coming from with this one. Like, just because I understand these things that we talk about these things so much, but like, you know, five, six months ago, a year ago, like none of this would have made any sense whatsoever. And, but at the same time, I think there's like almost, I mean, there's an infinite of amount of ways that someone could perceive it, but there's kind of like two main ways, like the literal or the metaphorical and if you take it literally, I think that's where Christianity was sort of built, was all of his messages were taken literally, and they were never meant to be taken 
literally. So I was able to understand because I knew they weren't literal going in. So I wasn't even trying to understand them literally, but I could see, I was like, oh, that's where Christianity got that sort of thing. And it's like, how did they take that to be literally? And that's why so many things don't make sense. And we have so many, like, I don't know, silly stories out there because the way that he spoke, the way that Jesus spoke was very much, I don't think supposed to be taken literally, but if you take it literally, it it comes out with some crazy stories. And, but at the same time, like even where I'm at right now, I was not able to fully grasp everything he was saying. I would have to go back and listen a few times or, and if I wasn't paying very close attention, it was not even no chance whatsoever. For sure. Well, and there's such a big gap in language, right? Like we're talking about a scroll that was that was literally, you know, found and has been translated, but it's not like it was intact, right? So we're we're doing the best we can with with essentially an almost dead language, trying to interpret it into English and, and the symbolism and, and the metaphors that we would use, and, and so it's it's very difficult. It's kind of like reading um, the Tao Te Ching, right? Like depending on the translation of that book that you find, it will mean an entirely different thing to you. Right, like I, I've read translations where reading the Archer, which is probably one of my favorite passages of that book, I walked away going, "Huh," because <laughs> right? it just it didn't it wasn't translated by somebody who understood what the hell they were talking about. They were just translating the words as they as they understood them. They didn't have the understanding of what the message was, right? Which is always the point. Like I've had people <laughs> all the time come to my videos and they'll quibble about a word that I used or an expression that I used. And it's like, well, that's not quite accurate. It's like nothing, it's language. Of course it's not accurate. The question is, is the meaning coming across or are you allowing the meaning to come across or are you quibbling on the words to avoid the insight? Are you quibbling on the words to make it about me rather than what I'm saying, right? And that's that's always the case. All of our stuff gets twisted by that. Even this podcast, I guarantee it. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone has their own unique perception. And so there's no way. And I made a video today just about, you know, that idea, which we've talked about a bunch that, you know, there's multiple versions of you that exist inside of everyone's mind. So like why try and live based on all of those versions? It's completely futile and impossible, quite frankly, like it logically doesn't make any sense to live based on that because you can't, there's only one there's only one of you, but everything that you ever say or communicate gets twisted by people's perception. So for us talking about things that, you know, very much aren't words, you know, reality isn't words. It's yeah, it's, it's not the easiest thing to express in words because it's never does it justice and we can only do our best to communicate it. And, you know, if people have ears to hear great, but at the same time, like, I don't feel too much pressure to feel like I'm responsible for their perception as well. Like that, that is their call. And and if they get it great, if not, that's okay too. Uh, it'll, it'll come. But uh, when you brought up Alan Watts, I was actually wanted to talk about him for a sec. Cause to me, it seemed like, especially more recently listening to his stuff. Cause I was listening to his stuff, like, I don't know, last few years and only recently did it really, start to click more like there was a while where I would listen to it and I was like I don't really know what he's trying to like what he's saying here like it was too too much for me but now it all very much makes sense so to me it seems like he was someone who really got it but at the same time like people talk about him and I've seen 
uh, his daughter interviewed talking about how, you know, he was a big drinker and he kind of, he understood that this was all a play and a game and like very much not serious at all. So like, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with like drinking all the time, but at the same time, do you think, and, and you've mentioned this too, with like Jim Carrey, how it seems like he got it, but it maybe is like has maybe lost some of the luster that he had a little while ago. Do you think that it's just because you always for situations like that, like you have to stay sort of on the ball and as soon as you, you know, start wavering from that or, or bringing in sort of more identity into it, it, it can, I don't know, shield or, or fog up that sort of clarity to a degree. So I was, I was curious your take just on both of those people, because they're two people who I have, you know, a lot of respect for and have listened to a ton of their talks and speeches just about these concepts for a while i think that's interesting because it, it kind of follows up what you were saying about not if you get it great right if you don't get it that's on you i'm just out here throwing seeds and it took me a long time to get to that point because when we're talking about this stuff when you as you witnessed uh last week when you talk to god as it were all of a sudden you come out of it with a whole other level of responsibility, with a whole other pers perspective of what's happening, you feel yourself connected to everything else around you. And so you want to go and talk to people about this. You almost feel like this, like um, this responsibility to participate. Right. And unfortunately that part that responsibility can end up feeling very serious and that seriousness can take its toll on you. Um, and so this is why I always say it's so important to keep it light it's really important to keep it light. And, and it's because you can become hyper aware of your ego and, and learn to keep it, it compartmentalized, but then never get over it. You're always just compartmentalizing it. Like, oh, that's my ego self. This is where I'm, this is who I am when I'm not identifying as that. And, and it's just a constant work. It's the constant work of not identifying with my self-image, including as a teacher, including as you know somebody who's enlightened or aware or, or anything. I mean there can't be an intention to this conversation. And as soon as you have an intention, it loses all of its fun. It loses all of its energy and its, its enthusiasm. And that is the danger in becoming a public speaker. That's the danger in having this conversation and even doing this podcast is the idea that you start to take yourself too seriously. And you start to take your role in the whole and in this ripple too seriously. And it just becomes, it becomes another religion. Right? it becomes another discipline and it can't be because that's that's not how we want to live right it's really not and, and so when you do take it that seriously it's very very difficult to shed that like it's funny you almost learn to shed one weight but then you end up carrying the weight of everything as a result and if you're doing that it's because you have an idea of that of that everything and you're still holding on to it which is what we were saying earlier is that things are never what they appear Right? Things are never what they appear to be. And, and that insight in itself will bring you straight back to reality, right back to uncertainty in the present moment. doesn't matter what your narrative is. doesn't matter what you think is happening. There's way more involved. It doesn't matter what the superficial is. There are infinite layers behind it. And as soon as you're willing to accept that, you end up back in the present where you're not in control and there's no weight to carry. Right. But it's really important to remember that is that 
things are not what they appear. And I think in terms of Alan Watts' uh, lifetime with uh, the Vietnam War and everything that was happening with the hippie movement and everything else, there was a big push for, for kind of like a new renaissance in consciousness. And a lot of people put pressure on Watts to be something that I don't think he ever really wanted to be. And I think that he started to, to take that on to some degree, which is why later in his life, he took off and, and went and spent some time in the woods, right? He was just like, no, I, I need to go. I need to look at the squiggly for a bit and, and get away from all of this. And I think that that helped him. I found he, he started laughing a lot more again, right? It wasn't quite so, um, so cerebral, but that's the point is that if it starts to get serious, it's because you're creating weight, right? You're, you're investing in a narrative of yourself or the world, it doesn't matter, but you're still creating another illusion, even if that illusion is based on your recognition of truth. Yeah, 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 I find that uh, just all the time when I get start getting caught up in things, I just remember that they're just perceptions of how things are and it's always here now. And that I think is the most beautiful thing about all of this that we talk about is it's, it's, you're never missing anything. It's always here now. So you think, you know, you missed a certain opportunity to be present. It's like, this is the opportunity. The moment you're thinking that you're missing the opportunity of being present, you're being present in that moment. And it's here now always. So whenever I start getting caught up in like feeling a certain way, I just, remember that I'm aware of that feeling. I'm aware of that perception. I am aware of that thought. I'm not that thought. I'm not that perception. I'm not that feeling. I am just the awareness of it. I am everything and nothing. I am nowhere or now here. And, and it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's a constant thing. Like, cause I, I do get caught up all the time in that. And it's just about, remembering oh yeah there's another perception there's another thought that i'm having and and the more that i catch it the easier it becomes every single time it's like it is very much a practice and it's never you know it's never that they're never going to be there but that's part of this experience it's part of being human and i think something that i've learned throughout is just to not judge myself along the way like if i do get caught. And I talk about this a lot in our workshops and stuff too. It's like, cause I do, I will get caught up in certain, you know, perceptions of myself and judgments of myself. And, and no matter what thing I'm doing, if I get caught up in judgment and then I start judging my judgment, that's just doing the same thing. And, and I can break that cycle by not judging my judgment in that, in that moment and being, okay, allowing myself, you know, the grace and, and the, the slack, giving, cutting myself some slack and, and understanding that this is by design, the way that things are like, it's for the experience. It's not about enjoying every moment. It's about experiencing every moment and enjoyment and good and bad. And, and, you know, negative feelings are all just perceptions. They are never the truth. Everything just is, we're just experiencing things every single moment and there is no single moment it just is it's eternal it's it's right here and now always so it's it's like no matter how deep you go into belief systems or identification or perceptions it's always that one step of becoming aware of what you're doing and realizing that you're here now and that's it <laughs> yeah and what's funny is that so we talk about you know God or, or or the recognition of unity and that impression of of infinite intelligence that goes with that or, or the 
the experience of infinite intelligence that goes with that. And, and that feeling has inspired people for you know thousands of years to go out and, and try to spread the word of God in one form or another. And unreal and not realizing it, that form of spreading the word is actually doing the opposite, right? It's forcing, it's controlling, it's creating an idea, it's perpetuating an identity. So if anything, spreading the word of God is doing the work of the devil. If you want to look at it that way, right? It's sowing doubt, it's sowing control, it's sowing ego. So the real work of, of you know, devotion to God is exactly what you're saying. It's the constant act of letting go. It's the constant act of being present. It's the constant act of coming back to reality, to be in God, right? And that's what spreads. That's what changes the world. And, and people are so keen to get an idea of what's my life purpose. I want to align with source energy. I want to align with God. I want to create a new world, a new earth, right? 5D, whatever you want to call it, right? It's like, great, stop trying to do that. Now you're doing it, right? And that's the counterintuitive part is that we want to change the world, but the world will change automatically the more present we become, right? Because the world we live in is a result of how not present we are, right? And that's it. So there is only, it's a one-step process, not just individually, but collectively, it's just doing it over and over and over again in the one moment that is existence. Yeah, and that whole idea of, of the new earth or 5d like those are very obviously just more ideas and perceptions and belief systems like it's just it's just shifted from one thing to another but it's a belief in you know the greater goodness and and trying to change and it goes back to you know being the change versus trying to change everything and and understanding that you know <laughs> like we were talking about last week when someone's smoking a cigarette and someone tells them not to like, yeah, smoking a cigarette might not be great for you, but telling people how to live also isn't great for you. So it's, it's like as much as, but that's what people think when they think of, you know, changing the world, they're like, I have this understanding that cigarettes are bad. So I need to spread it out to everyone. Or I have this understanding that we are all unity. So I need to you know, force everyone else. And I think there's a difference, you know, between us having conversations like this and making videos as, you know, dropping seeds or pointers or whatever, just sharing it. Like, I don't, I don't advertise my videos as being advice or trying to help people. Like when people ask like why I do it, I just like, I like making videos and sharing things. Like I, it's not even that I, and sometimes I'll say like, yeah, I enjoy, you know, helping people. Cause I, I see myself in them and I see, I know what it was like going through extreme bouts of, you know, social anxiety and whatnot. And, and so I I'm on the other side now. So of course I want to share things that helped me get there, but it's not, the intention isn't having the goal of helping someone. It's, it's just sharing things because all I know at the end of the day is understanding this helped me. If it helped me and I share it, odds are it'll probably help someone else, but it's not the expectation that I have going into it. And if it doesn't help a single other person, that's okay too. They can, they can leave it be. Now, I'm not forcing anyone to follow me. I'm not forcing anyone to watch the video or like it or comment or anything. It's, it's all up to them. And if they feel like it, cool. That's right. This is me just taking care of my part of what is. Yeah. Carry on, you know, unless you'd like to get involved, in which case, cool. 
welcome to the party, right? And, and that's it is people have to decide for themselves. And we want people to decide for themselves. We don't want this to be a sales pitch. We don't want to be like, hey, follow us. We'll lead you to God. Because that's, that's the last thing that anybody needs. It's just another idea of God and just another idea that you don't know the way or can't find it yourself, right? And so it's just the conversation. It's just having it for the sake of having it and, and people who want to participate will or, or they won't. But what inspires me about this process and what everything about everything that we've been doing here is that we're coming up with ways to find uh, or to create places for people to have this discussion, right? Like our Patreon is a good place. People come and they'll, they'll join us for our live streams or the free live groups that we do. People will come and they'll join in the conversation. And that's been super helpful to me and everybody who's been joining us. But now we have the Discord uh, server that's coming out so people can connect with one another, not just you and I. And then, of course, later on, we're going to be doing other events. Like at some point, as this grows and we can start to put some financing into, into some other public events, things that actually draw people together that are not online, that's going to create new venues for insights, going to create new opportunities for change, more opportunities for people of, of like mind in the moment to just connect and allow things to spread on their own, right? And it's just to exercise that faith in, in themselves, which is essentially the point. So that inspires me that when I see this growing the way it is, when I see our YouTube channel consistently getting more views and our podcast getting more views and our TikTok channels getting more views and people commenting, not just viewing, but asking questions, wanting to be involved, wanting to, to participate in the conversation, that's, that is the change that's happening right? That, that's it. You're seeing it. It's just not happening as fast as we would like it to, or that we, we think it should. But again, things are never what they appear to be. It's happening a lot faster than we think, a lot faster. The, the revolution will not be televised, right? Yeah. And, and the speed at which changes is all just perception as well, right? <laughs> it's all happening now. But yeah, something I really just enjoy about our platforms and there's certainly a lot of other people who just you know enjoy creating content and just doing it for the sake of doing it having conversations for the sake of having conversations but i think something that kind of runs rampant in our society is having a reason for the doing you know the means to an end or ends to a means or reason or you know ultimate goal of, of where they see something going and i think you know, I think we've so far very much stayed on the path of like, you know, we chat every Monday for an hour or two and we record it and then we post it and that's it. Like we don't have a, we name everything and I do the timestamps afterwards, like based on what we talked about, we don't create those and then talk about those things. It all happens after the fact. And Ray names the episode after the fact, after we figure out, go back and figure out what the hell we just talked about for two hours. So keeping that in mind, it keeps, it helps to keep things light, like you were mentioning before. And, and even for, you know, just in my experience with things, like I've more clearly understood, as I mentioned a few times that I just really enjoy making content. I enjoy making videos. So I've been doing it more and more for the sake of doing it. And then inevitably things will happen. Like I know for sure that this is going to be in a much different place than it in a year from now than it is right now. And some people will label that as, you know, like we are attracting that and we have, you know, law of assumption working in our favor because, you know, we think these things are going to happen, but it's like, 
those things are are just holding on to a belief or perception or earth want that you that stems from feeling separate like you have things that happen to you separately from you know from everyone and and that's not the case but the more that you do this and the more that we do this and we are manifesting this thing here now we are doing it as i'm saying these words simultaneously there's no disconnect or separation in me these words coming out and us having this conversation to us manifesting this sort of community it's happening right now as we speak so i think that's one of you know the coolest parts about it is there's no we have no expectation even in our workshops too we have a topic and that's about it <laughs> it's like there's nothing more we don't prep really beforehand you know you keep your announcements and make sure to cover certain things and i'm i'm kind of there for the conversation and and they, it goes and i think both of our workshops have gone you know, incredibly well, I think they'll provide a lot of people with a lot of value over the next, you know, years and years to come. So, but, and it's also kind of weird that we're not doing a workshop tomorrow. It's like been on my schedule for the last two months, um, but they'll, they'll be back soon enough. But yeah, I just really enjoy how light we keep things and how this is just conversation for the sake of having a conversation. There is no expectation and no inherent need that we feel like we need to get out of it as well. It's just doing for the sake of doing. Exactly. Which is why it's so effective, right? In my opinion, it's the reason that it comes across so clearly is because we're not bringing our intentions into it. Like I'm not trying to create a new world because whatever mentality I'm in right now, doesn't have the ability to comprehend what that future will be. Right. That, that's the point. I'm just in this part of, of that wave, right? As the wave crests and it builds, it's going to create itself as it goes. And so we're not trying to create anything in the future. We're not trying to create any kind of impact. It's just having it, right? We're just embodying the mentality that we're talking about during all of these events. And as a result, I find the events, the workshops, especially get really, really into the point without being all preachy and, and, and superior about it, right? Like we're talking about it like we're weighing things together, like Krishnamurti used to say, right? It's, I'm not a teacher. We're just talking about things that are important to both of us. And that's that's really it, right? I'm not teaching you anything. We're just discussing and we'll see where it goes from there, right? And and that's that's very much why I, I find this conversation to be so important is because it is its own point, which is what life should be. Life should be its own point. And if that's the insight we're always embodying, if that's the point that we're always driving home, then this is doing everything that I could ever want it to do. Um, and, and admittedly, we're just going to keep doing it because I've been doing it for 20 years by myself. It's neat to have you know a partner in crime to do this with me. And now more and more people jumping on board and getting involved. And, and as a result, actually, before we get too far uh, from this point, I just wanted to mention to everybody that season two is coming up in January, and we are going to be introducing a new segment, uh, the Dualistic Unity Roundtable, where we will have four, maybe five guests on per episode, and we're going to basically just 
go around on a topic, talk about it from everybody's different perspective and see what kind of insights that we can find. So if you are a content creator, or if this is something that you would be interested in participating in, do go to our website at dualisticunity.com. You will find a menu item called Be Our Guest. Just fill in your information, let us know that you're interested and we will get back to you. There's a number of dates that you can choose from. Just let us know what your availability is. Um, likewise, I just wanted to make an announcement because I actually went through and tallied up how much content we've created with this podcast. With this episode, we're at about 17 and a half hours of podcast alone. And then with our Patreon, we have over eight hours of additional content on our Patreon page, and that just continues to grow. So we're rapidly approaching 30 hours of just conversation. Um, it's just going to continue to build. And a large part of that is the enthusiasm of our listeners continuing to, to encourage us to, to keep going and submitting their questions, submitting their, their comments. And on a last note, the Q&A episode is coming up. So if you do have questions and you want us to address them, let us know and we'll get to them. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that episode. Those are always very fun because they're very targeted questions and as much you know value this may provide people and just us having conversations when it's more direct, it can be very cool as well. Just another avenue. Um, and going back to like the doing it for the sake of doing it, I filmed, I haven't posted it yet, but I filmed a video. I just walked around uh, Washington Square Park isn't too far for me. It's it's one of the main parks, like pretty well known in New York, and it's always pretty busy. And it, there's basically a fountain in the middle. So it's like a circle. And I just walked around the circle filming myself for three minutes, which is basically the extent of a TikTok that it can be. And I just talked about the act of filming it. It was kind of like a meta video and talked about how even though you know all of my videos are me walking around New York filming pretty much I was I was talking about how you know I am walking around this this fountain right now with my phone in front of my face just like doing circles and probably there are people all around and they are probably having perceptions about me potentially passing judgment whatever like this dude just holding his phone in front of his face and I was talking about it in the sense of what we talk about a lot in, in the action of it and the doing of it. And I was talking about how, you know, I've now filmed a thousand videos probably walking around New York. But, but what I have found is that no one has ever come up to me while I'm filming anything and said anything about like, what are you doing, man? Like, why are you filming right now? Like no one ever, I've probably passed thousands of people and it's never happened. And, and so I was talking about how the act in itself can be very beneficial if you deal with things like, you know, even beyond social anxiety, just anxiety of sort of being in public and, and what people think of you, even just like walking around, which I know that people deal with a lot. So like through that, you initially will feel very uncomfortable when you're doing that. If you just hold your phone in front of your face and start talking, walking past people who are all sitting there kind of like just watching people walk by. So they're all probably passing some sort of judgment who, you know, God knows what it is actually. But um, what, what I've found is sometimes I will be a tiny bit uncomfortable when I start. It's much less so now than it used to be when I first started doing it. But eventually you just keep doing it and the discomfort begins to settle more and more and more. And as you keep going, it just begins to settle. So I finished off talking about like when you become are able to become comfortable in that feeling of discomfort, 
there's no more discomfort. And as discomfort arises, if you can face it, which is the only way to truly qualm and uh, settle those feelings, it begins to settle down. And then as it comes up, you face it, you get comfortable in it. And all of a sudden, there isn't really much discomfort left to have. And, and it's through doing it. So I, I kind of made a video talking about it while I was doing it. It was kind of like that meta sort of idea. But um, yeah, I think I think it can be incredibly helpful. And I've, I've just been trying to film more of just like little rants about stuff and especially something like that. And I'll probably just start filming more and just like, this is me walking through New York through a crowd of people filming myself started out a little bit uncomfortable. I'm not as uncomfortable anymore. I can feel it settling as I'm speaking, you know, give it a shot. If you have feelings like this. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, uh, it's not your typical sales pitch that our, our society would make, which is if you're uncomfortable around people, here are things that you can do to change your environment, to make yourself less uncomfortable, right? What you're saying is, you know, that's only going to last until you feel like you're out of control again go through the discomfort, find your balance. Suddenly discomfort is no longer something you can you have to fear. Be uncertain. Be completely honest about the fact that you really don't know anything other than you are here now. Everything else is a guess. Everything else is speculation at best, an assumption, which can be useful, can be very useful. Like if I'm going to build a house. I'm going to assume that the land I'm building it on isn't just going to collapse into, the, into a hole in the ground. It's totally possible, but I'm going to assume it's not because I'm trying to build the house, right? Now, if it did, well, at least I'm aware that anything could happen. So I'm not overly invested in, in that outcome, in that house being finished, right? It's a reasonable expectation that it's going to get finished, but, you know, heaven forbid, something could go wrong. That's all we're talking about. We're always just talking about being reasonable at the end of the day. We're just saying, just don't, don't overcommit to any one end result making you happy. And you will pretty much always be in a state where happiness is possible. Yeah. Yeah. Something I keep coming back to the uh, like crosswalk situation, but something I was thinking about was that beliefs there's, it's okay to have beliefs and we always kind of have beliefs in things to a degree, but it's when we take them as truth and feel the need to defend them, that it becomes, you know, a sort of type of situation. So I was just thinking with the crosswalk thing, like you can either with the crosswalk have a belief in yourself and your eyesight or a belief in the crosswalk signals and having a belief in the crosswalk signals, that'll get you a certain place until there are other factors in play, like a car running through a red light. And all of a sudden there's a walk sign and you don't even bother trusting your eyes because you have all, all of your belief as truth in the crosswalk and in the stop versus walk sign. And as soon as that walk goes, you have your blinders on and you go, you get smacked by a car and you're dead. And if you only had that belief in yourself and that true faith in yourself, you don't even need a crosswalk. You can just look both ways. And whether it says walk or don't, you know, you won't get hit by a car because you have that faith in yourself and then you don't have to believe in anything outside of you. And I think that kind of ties into a lot of different types of situations because people like to put their beliefs in other things, but the only thing that it ever comes back to is all you ever have to realize is all you need to do is have that faith in yourself and you'll be just fine. Yeah. Right. Well, and, but with that goes 
goes the acceptance that we might die, right? Like that, that's, that's the, we have to accept that. I mean, that's the biggest problem that we have in our culture for the most part is our resistance to, resistance to the idea that people are going to die, right? Like we really just want to avoid that. Like we, we label styrofoam packing peanuts. Don't eat these. If we're at that point, there are some people that maybe aren't going to make it. And I'm just saying that if they need instructions on not eating styrofoam, the chances of them making it very far are pretty slim. And we're not exactly helping them by making everything easier on them. They should have some challenges. They should maybe take a bite of that styrofoam and go, no, that's not a thing. And then they learn from it. But, you know, just telling people what to do and what not to do doesn't encourage them to be intelligent. It doesn't encourage them to be responsible. And it doesn't encourage them to make decisions that would promote long life which is the problem. We're, we're child-proofing everything. And as a result, we end up with a planet full of children. Yeah. And that whole idea of allowing people to fail, like I, as usual, not going to name names, but, you know, people and certain people in my life, I've had discussions about this, about, you know, one person not really allowing someone else to fail and kind of doing things for them all the time with the fear that, you know, they won't get to a certain place. And then, you know, the years go by and they're still doing those things and feeling like they need to, because they never allowed that person to learn that lesson five or 10 years ago. So now they still haven't learned that lesson because they didn't allow them to learn that lesson. So now they feel like they still need to do those same things because they never, but if they had just let them learn the lesson, then they wouldn't have to continue doing it. And some lessons are harder to learn than others. Some lessons really, you feel like, you know, the world's crashing down on you, but a lot of people, you know, as long as, you know, it doesn't kill this human you think you are, then, you know, you're chilling, but a lot of people have to go through some shit like that and to, to really understand it. And if there's always someone there as their, you know, safety or, uh, you know, flotation device or something, then they're never going to learn that. And then they're always going to need a flotation device. And until they actually learn that, and then the more that that happens, the more pressure and the more potential for a larger and larger quote unquote failure to happen. Whereas if you just allow them to kind of naturally occur and allow that those failures, those smaller failures to happen, then they'll learn from that, but they're not going to learn from it by having that, you know, flotation device next to them their entire life. So true. There's, there is a, another pandemic happening in our culture and it's a, the, uh, the rate of occurrences where children aren't leaving the home, that they're just staying into their thirties and, and their parents not wanting to view themselves as bad parents are letting that happen allowing them to just continue to, to wallow in comfort and not face any challenges and not face any discomfort and grow as a person. And then all of a sudden in their thirties and their forties, they're completely irresponsible. They have no sense of personal value or meaning or, or accomplishment or anything. And they're wallowing through depression. They're wallowing through social anxiety. They're judging themselves. They're doing like, I can't tell you how many clients I've had who have gone through this, not, not just the, the person who's living at home, but the parents after the fact or during the fact going, I don't know how to deal with this. It's like, well, you kind of put yourself here. And you put yourself here by trying to avoid hardship and discomfort. You know, it's like if, if you're in your, your early 20s, move out, move out and get a roommate if you have to or, or, or whatever. Find a 
cheap, shitty apartment, do it the hard way. You'll learn from it. And at least, at least then 10 years down the road, when you have a better apartment or you found your way into a different situation, you have some context there. Like you move into a slightly better apartment and all of a sudden your old shitty apartment informs your perspective of your new apartment. All of a sudden you're like, woo, I have an extra bathroom or, oh my God, there's a room I can live in now, like aside from my couch, things like that. These are all character building things. Not only that, but moving into the place, meeting your landlord, getting a job, meeting your bills, doing all that. I mean, these are all things that are unpleasant. Nobody wants to go through them in our, in our society, especially because as we mentioned at the beginning, it's kind of pointless, but you will learn about yourself through those things. You will learn how to grow as a person, how to face things when you don't know what's coming. And so if you're not actively out there trying to embrace that uncertainty, if you're not actively out there just challenging yourself, you're going to end up in a position where you don't have the strength when the challenge does arise in earnest. And that's something that I, I tell my daughter all the time. It's like, by a certain age, you should want to move out. And it's not that you can't come home. It's that you should want to try not to just for your own sake, right? If, it, if you fail, yeah, okay, come home. You know, it's the same if you don't have family to, to lean on. Often if you fail and you can't pay your rent, you will find a friend who will let you crash in a couch or something like that. But all of those experiences are vital to you recognizing exactly how much you can go through, exactly how much you can take and exactly how much you can learn from those experiences. It's so important to do that. And, and, and we avoid it largely for our own reasons. I mean, admittedly, when you're comfortable at home, you don't wanna leave. And when parents are, are invested in the idea that your happiness with them is indicative of how good a parent they are, that becomes toxic too, right? Because I love my daughter and I'm my, uh, I am my daughter's friend whenever I can be, except when you know, letting her off easy on something is actually hurting her in the long run, in which case I have to take it on myself to go, it doesn't matter if I'm liked or not for this, this is ultimately what's going to help her in the long run. And so I have to do that in myself. I have to face that insecurity in myself in order to do something positive, which is what we've been saying through this whole episode, right? Is that ultimately the cure for this disease of the ego is awareness and self-honesty, right? Vulnerability and the, the, the willingness to be uncertain and to just be where you are without some vested interest in, in valuating yourself or some vested interest in getting somewhere. And that's, that's what we're talking about. If the Dualistic Unity podcast is about anything, it's just clearing the distortion. Yeah, I was going to bring up that idea of building faith in yourself and just that whole scenario you just discussed. It's it's allowing the child to build the faith in themselves. And it was the same sort of example I was using as well is that that faith in yourself is so key. And when you go through something and you have to, you know, live in a shittier apartment than you're used to or, or whatever, then you build that sort of understanding that you may build an understanding that you don't need as much as you once thought that you did and you can you can survive without it and especially if you go as far as like you did going into the forest you really understand like oh yeah i have opportunities to like make money doing x y and z but i don't need all of that because i know how i can live and and even you know you don't necessarily people listening have to go to extremes like that but you can if you take a step back and really just make a conscious effort to understand what you actually enjoy doing, like what actually brings you 
joy and happiness and peace in your day-to-day life. And you may realize that a lot of the things that you're striving for, a lot of the things that you want, a lot of those things that you think are, you know, peak success aren't what you actually want and aren't what you actually value. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're making X amount of money. It may feel like you're making more because you're not spending it on all the things that you have been told, you know, are the pinnacles of success or show other people that you have value because, you know, like those billboards I put out in Soho, you are perfectly whole and complete exactly as you are right now. If you really understand that, there aren't as many feelings of lack where you feel like you need to spend all of this money. And all of a sudden you have more to do with things you actually enjoy. And maybe you can start living your life a little bit differently than you were, but yeah, through, I think there's the, you know, the two sides of it, of understanding what you actually enjoy and, and value in your life. And then also understanding that you're also completely fulfilled here and now always in, in the doing as life experiencing itself. So through understanding those two key things, there's, there's not nearly as much lack or sense of, you know, desire to get all of these things in order to prove this value. Cause there's nothing to prove anymore. You have nothing to prove to anyone. You're already whole and complete. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, uh, We'll wrap up here shortly, but I wanted to make a point based on what you were just saying, because recently had a, a, a discussion with somebody on, on one of my posts and, and their point was very much that we have to expect people to live up to certain standards. We have to uh, do our own inner work, but then we have to create organizations that demand other people within, within society agree with that work or also participate in that work. So coalitions against racism, coalitions against you know, poverty, coalitions against government corruption, things like that. And while that's important and, and that's true, those coalitions, if filled with people who are egotistical, aren't going to do anything good or at least not anything long lasting. And so the change has to be individual. It has to start with us, right? And, and that's, that's the point is that as people start to experience life, like you're saying, as they start to let go of the, the things that they don't really need, as they start to let go of the illusions that they used to think prop them up, those people make different decisions. They operate their businesses differently. They talk to one another differently. And as time progresses, they will raise their children differently and their, their, their children will interact with their friends differently. And eventually society will start to emulate the the mentality of that ripple as it spreads. And so just like with the legalization of cannabis, now in 10 years time, you're going to see people growing up outside of that prohibition who are now in politics, for example, and informing the political discussion without the paranoia that came from everything before when the prohibition was happening on cannabis. That's gonna change our attitude towards cannabis as a substance and as something that's useful to society. The same is true as we start to question our ego and start to question all of these enticing little baubles that society says are important to, to our value. That's going to change society too. All of a sudden, 20 years down the road, people who are invested in questioning themselves and finding that state of, of uncertainty and peace within their own existence are going to be making decisions that affect more people. They are going to be creating more sustainable ripples and more impactful ripples because they will have all of that time behind them to refine their own peace, right? That's the thing is that if I were to talk to you when I was, let's say back in 2005, like that video, if I talked to you back then, you and I probably wouldn't get along to the same degree as we do now because I was cocky. 
right? There was a lot of me in there for sure, right? And, and so over time, how I've learned to, to live has informed how I've learned to speak. And that's informed how I've learned to interact with people in my business and otherwise. And that's changed everything. So we're always refining the ripple. It's just a matter of getting into the ripple. It's a matter of, of discovering, oh, right, I'm caught in an undercurrent. I can get out of that and ride the wave to shore, right? And that's, that's very much what we're working on. Yeah, I feel like it always comes back to getting yourself out of the way and allowing things to be and, and to flow. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. So when you were uh, back in 2005, would you like what? I'm just curious, like what was causing you to feel that sort of cockiness? Was it the, the cockiness? Was it the realizations that you were having and sort of because there was still some me in there? that it was like, I'm having these understandings, kind of that sort of thing. There was definitely an element of that so, because I came out of, of so many years of uh, devaluing myself, of, of basically putting myself down and giving myself no value whatsoever. And then all of a sudden they came out at the other end going, oh, wow, none of that's real. And I just felt so good for realizing it that you start to identify with that that new freedom right and so you could see it on my face when i'm talking in 2005 it's like i'm gonna educate you and i was just like it's brutal like i can't stand watching that video just because i'm just like oh stop doing that um but the, the information's solid like the insights i'm talking about are solid but it's the way it came across it's the way that i was looking at it from my own point of view that was distorting how much of what i was saying i was actually able to embody and that was it Right. Like I look back at that video now and I go, that's a great point. Please stop saying it like that. <laughs> right. Like just you can say that without all of that, that attitude of why aren't people getting this? It's so simple. And it's 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 not simple. It's just that at the time, that's how I needed to perceive it, because I was very frustrated with the fact that I was the only person talking about it amongst hundreds of people that I had interacted with. Like it was so rare to talk to anybody about this. Like we're having this conversation now that it was very difficult to not go home and think to yourself, what a bunch of fucking shape. Like it was just very difficult not to do that. And, and of course that's just me being egotistical. That's me going, ah, but now I'm clear about it. I'm all good. And then and you slowly start taking it in. It's like, right, but I wasn't always right. Right. But, but that doesn't mean anything about me as a person. And so you start, that's why I always say there was a lot of me in it back then. Whereas now there, there's very little me in it. And, and it's just because it's not mine. There, there's no me to take credit for any of this, right? There, there's, I'm not saying anything that isn't always there. And so that makes it a lot easier to keep it light. It makes it a lot easier to kind of sit back and let people do their thing because I'm not trying to teach anything. I know for a fact that if I never came into their existence, all they would need is themselves and they'd find the same damn answers. They would find the same insights. And so that sets me free from a lot of things. I didn't feel that freedom back then. I was very much trying to change the world. Yeah, so was it, was it almost like you were having the understandings, but because there was still some me left in there, was it that you weren't seeing yourself as much in other people? Okay, so yeah. there is still because of that. Because that, for me, that that's what's become, started to become clear very recently. It was just like, very much seeing myself. So there's not really any other to judge because they're all, they're all me. So it, it would, 
I find, and I still get caught up in that for sure. It's not to say that I, I never do. And I never, you know, catch myself and whatnot, but, but the more, you know, the deeper I go into this and the more conversations that we have and the more just experiences I have in day-to-day life, the more clear it becomes that, you know, I, I am them and they, you know, things got traded. I would be, I would be them and I am them. Yeah, exactly. And, and this is, easier when people are are more similar to you as you currently are right when, when you meet people who are empathetic for example you're like yeah there i am right when you meet somebody who's abusing their power and hurting somebody as a result it's very difficult to go ah there i am right and and, and that's what i was running across is i was looking at the world like like we've been talking about in this episode and i was seeing the narrative that i was assuming i was seeing the evil in, in, in the, the story that I, I was holding on to, based on the light that I was experiencing in myself, I could see all of the entanglements in the world around me. And it became, I got to address this, right? And, and so there was a vested interest in fixing it. There was a vested interest in the idea of what was best for everybody. And, and so of course that doesn't work. And it just, it ended up driving those people that I was different from even farther away. I had to, to find a way to, to recognize that I'm not my idea of myself, even the positive end. And that's what I was dealing with back then. It was, you know, I'm not my negative self, also not my positive self. That's the point, right? And I really had to get to that point. I really had to take into the fact that I'm Hitler. I mean, at the end of the day, that all of the evil that's ever been done was done by my awareness. All the good that's ever been done is likewise done by my awareness. And this is what Watts was saying. It's like, if you understand that black begets white, right, then you'll get this. And that's what confuses people. It's like, you know, both sides aren't sides, right? They're the whole. We just see it as one side or the other. And, and so the, the deeper we get into that, the easier it is to see ourselves in other people. But it gets difficult when we're talking about monsters, you know, because we look at the, the superficiality of the monster instead of the very long journey it took for that monster to become what they are. And then when you do that, you start to go, right, we were all that blank slate as a child. We were all in a position of vulnerability where our, our environment could have very much twisted us. It could have very much, you know, sent us on a different path. And, and it's like you were saying, you know, just, just recognizing that if I were to re- replace myself with you, Adam for Adam, I would be you. And that, that insight has a lot of layers, right? When you start getting past like, Oh, I would be Jesus and I would be Buddha. And I would, and you start getting into the, the darker side of things, right. Then you really have to test your opinions and your preferences and your assumptions and your ideas of what's right and what's wrong and everything else that goes into the universe. It's, it's like the, the Christian idea that, you know, God is good and the devil is bad. It's like, there is no, there's no division. The devil is just the part of God you don't understand. And so that, 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 that's very much it. So over time, I've just recognized that um, I, uh, I have everything from the best, the best of humanity to the worst of humanity in my awareness. And as long as, as I know that, I can deal with anybody from any mentality without judging them, which doesn't mean I have to condone them, but it changes how I interact with them. Yeah, I feel like that sort of, it's hard to have that understanding when you're tied into belief systems too, like actually seeing yourself in another and having that sort of true empathy when you have, you know, very dualistic belief systems like you know, a lot of religion and Christianity and whatnot. And yeah, like 
there, there is a sense of, oh, I would never do that. And it's like, what exactly would cause you to not do that? If you had, you know, their upbringing and their, everything was interchanged, like what, what else is there? What, and I'm a better when person. I have those, exactly. When I have those conversations, it's, you know, people say like, oh, well, it's my consciousness. It's my, you know, being my soul is not like, like them. And, and it's hard, you know, it's, it's hard, I think for me to get past that with people and just, you know, trying to explain that that's just another concept that you, that's just another belief that you have. Like what is, you know, what's proving that. And, you know, a lot of people, they just settle on saying it doesn't have to be proven or you can't disprove it. And I'm like, there's so many fucking things you can't disprove that doesn't prove anything. Like when I get that with, you know, religious stuff and I'm like, yeah, I also can't disprove that I have, you know, or you can't disprove that I have, you know, 17 toes right now until I take my sock off or anything like that. But yeah, so it's, it's uh, there are certain points where I'm, I'm just no when to, when to stop. And I, I can see when people are just not willing to question anymore and they want to settle on an answer. And, you know, I've gotten better about not pushing it beyond that sort of limit that they want to feel. And that's good. That's a good sensitivity to have because if it's about you, nothing's getting through anywhere, right? If you're, if they're threatened by you, they're not listening. They're not getting, it's nothing's happening there. You're just wasting your time, spinning your wheels for nothing. You might as well just go and continue enjoying your life and you'll run across somebody who might want to listen to you, right? But, you know, give them time because I mean, I know if I were to go back to my 16, 17, 18 year old self as who I am right now, I wouldn't listen to me. I know that. It wouldn't matter how good I am at talking about this. I was just not in a mentality where I could have heard it, right? And give me some time. Right. And, and that's what happened. Enough time, enough hardship, enough, enough lessons and opportunities to find those lessons. And then my life changed. And, and so that's it. It's just putting yourself in the mix, waiting to see what comes out of it and, and just continuing to do that until you're no longer afraid of the mix and you no longer hold on to anything coming out of it or going into it. You're just in it as it you're a little Tasmanian devil constantly. Right. That, that's pretty much it. And you're just causing whirlwinds. You're causing ripples and, and, and you don't see them. You don't know where they're going. You don't know what they're going to do, but you know that the, the core that they come from is about as pure and vibrant and full of energy as possible. And, and that's it. That's the only faith we have to have is, is in that state that we're in because that's faith in ourselves. And, and that is, if anything, I would say how we're going to see you know, the reemergence of God as it were, because God is just, it's just a description for, for the whole, recognizing the whole, it, it's all it is, right? Like when we're talking about heaven, what are we talking about other than just awareness, recognizing its nature, right? As everything. And that's it. And nothing to fear. Every, every fruit in the garden is yours, that kind of thing, right? It's like you were saying, walking around New York, it's like people are totally different. It's like people are totally the same. Your perspective of them as separate is different, which means they're not anything you have to be afraid of anymore. They're not anything you have to judge anymore. They're not something outside of yourself. And so your, your interaction with them changes, your perspective of them changes, your, your mentality going into conversations with them changes. And that changes them. 
not because it's deliberately changing them. That's the difference between control and influence, right? But because you are in fact a different uh, aspect of their environment, you've changed your piece in the environment. That's it. It'd be like if you were part of their room and you suddenly just transferred yourself from being a bookend to a radio playing music, all of a sudden now that music's changing their life. It's affecting their environment. It's gonna change how they act. That's all we have to do is just change the role that we play in ourselves. And that's just letting go of our limitations and the idea of that role. And then we're free and freedom spreads. Yeah, certainly every interaction we ever have or every single thing that we do is changing things in one way or the other, you know, towards ourselves or, or away from ourselves, as, as, you, as you've mentioned so many times. And, and it's exciting to sort of, you know, have those understandings because it's like, we're, we're, I feel like simultaneously insignificant and extremely significant in, in that same exact sort of paradoxical way. And, and it just make, makes things very exciting and, and enjoyable. Absolutely. Right. Like every drop in the ocean on its own seems insignificant, but without them all, there's no ocean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly the point. So We've managed to, to cap two hours again for this episode. So we'll, uh, we will wrap this up here because obviously we have so much more to talk about. I mean, season two is going to be fantastic. I just want to reiterate again for everybody, if you want to be a member of the roundtables going into 2022, do go to our website, fill in the form uh, under be a guest and just let us know that you want to talk, uh, what your social media handles are and what you want to talk about. And then we'll get in touch with you as soon as we have an event that lines up with your, your specific uh, topic of conversation. And of course, if you can join us on Patreon, we get more and more content going on there all the time. Um, we will be taking a short break uh, during the Christmas holidays and around New Year's, but then we're going to be continuing our free live events as well. Um, and of course, every third Wednesday of the month, we do our exclusive live stream on Patreon for our supporters. We have another one coming up there in a couple of days, I think this Wednesday. So if you can join us there, those conversations are always a lot of fun. They're always very fulfilling. And I always feel inspired after the fact. So I'm just going to wrap up that that there. And I will let Andrew wrap up this episode because I tend to babble all the way to the end. (laughs) Now I'll keep it short and sweet. Yeah. If you can join us on Patreon, we do have that live stream on Wednesday. Very excited for that. Uh, I think Mary was the only one who was there last time. So Mary, we hope to see you there and anyone else who has become a part of our Patreon community. Very excited for that. Um, And yeah, thank you so much for tuning in to the episode and we will talk to you soon. Thanks everyone. We'll see you next week.